Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. We can do this shutting this shut-in thing, which is a real phenomenon among younger guys, twenties, thirties. Like it's just your sex life is online, your adventures are online, you don't leave the house. And the the ethos in our larger cultures, you know, Gabe, is as long as I'm not hurting somebody, what does it matter? So it's easy to justify that given that ethical construct. Actually, you are hurting people because we needed you. We actually needed you with your set of skills and the things that you could have brought and the man you could have become. There's maybe a woman who needed you. There's 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 vulnerable people who could have benefited from your skills being applied. We needed you out here and you didn't show up. Masculinity. When it's talked about much these days, usually it's prefaced by the word toxic. And yes, masculinity has been used in destructive ways, which has led many men to shrink back and retreat, which is another form of toxic masculinity. But is there a masculinity that is not just non-toxic, but healthy and needed? Hi, I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio, and this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Gabe, I know you're busy getting ready for this year's Culture Summit in April in Nashville. We'll talk about that more later, but thank you for taking a few moments to introduce us to the conversation you had about a year ago with Brent Hansen around the topic of masculinity. So this is one of those topics that in some ways can feel off limits in our society, or only on if you're willing to deconstruct what it means to be a man these days. But in this conversation, we're going to talk to author Brant Hansen, and he just wrote this great book called The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Indoorsman, or Any Man Willing to Show Up. And you're going to see how fun Brant is. And But he has these six decisions that he believes every man must make, and, and that's to be a spiritual leader, it's to be a protector, it's to be those who uh, can be trusted and loyal. So, so we'll get into all of that, ask him some of these questions culturally about what's going on with our boys these days, video games, what is happening here, and how do we be a part of reconstructing what it means to be men, to be godly men. And so let's listen in now. Brant, I'm so glad to have you on this podcast as well as just helping us with this conversation around masculinity, what it means to be a man. So let's just jump right in. I mean, what led you to write this book? Why did you feel like this was needed right now? Uh, and we'll get your perspective on that. And then we'll start talking a little bit about the culture and where the, what the culture thinks about men. So I'm not the guy that would normally write a book like this, uh, I think, because I'm not a manly outdoors guy or whatever. I, I can't fix anything. I play the accordion. Um, I, I drive a mini. <laughs> like, 
But my producer, this is, she's a single woman. She's brilliant. Um, and I've worked with her for 10 years now. And she encouraged me to do this because she said, there's something that guys miss about what masculinity actually is. And that is manifest in your family. She's like, I, as soon as I met your daughter and wife, I knew something different was going on. And she's from a, a, a family where she didn't have much security from the men in her life, but a lot of, ath, a lot of, how to say like manly guys, like fishermen and factory workers and whatnot. So she was intrigued by what I was, what I was kind of drilling down to as far as what it, what really, what masculinity can really look like. And so she kept telling me I should do it. It is it's true. I have a lot of young guys that, that ask me a lot of questions about this sort of thing. So I thought, well, I'll give it a whirl. I, I don't feel like much of an expert, but I do feel like there's a need. Yeah. Well, and you did such a great job. I mean, this book has so many sections to it, so many ways that men can kind of get in here and get insights from you that are all very, very helpful. And uh, we appreciate, I know how hard it is to, to do that kind of work. And uh, it, it looks like one of those projects that took a while as well, just because of how important each one of these topics are. Because in our culture today, like the, the stereotypical man is, you, you kind of have these two options. You've got the man that's the outdoorsman, that's rugged, and, and there's this visual of, of that guy, right? It's like, yeah. uh, that, that's sort of historically what we've seen men to be. And then, then you also have this new kind of man that's this partying, entertainment-oriented, video gaming um, man that never walks outside, doesn't even, wouldn't know how to split wood if they had to. Um, uh -huh. And somewhere in the middle, we're going, look, these stereotypes aren't truly what it is to be a man. Like there's, there's a way God's created man to operate in the world that brings life and flourishing, which it sounds like is what your producer was experiencing when she kind of bumped into you and your family. So, so could you describe a little bit about what, what is this vision God has for men yeah. in, a, in a culture where these stereotypes are sort of running wild about what a man ought to be? Yeah. And here's the thing. I want to, I want to echo something, which is there, there's a lot of deconstruction about masculinity in our culture and it's needed. And I understand it. I appreciate it. There's a lot of good stuff out there. However, we're kind of left with, okay, so what's the construction? Are we even able to articulate a distinct masculinity like at all? Yeah. Is there anything that we can say, this is distinctly masculine and distinctly good and so I'm taking a crack at the at like doing the construction part. And I know that comes freighted with some some risk because people will be like, well, you can't make any distinction. I, I understand, but I want I want to be a blessing to especially younger guys and say, here's the vision. Here's here's the crack I'm taking at it. I think we're made to be the keeper of the garden. And that's obviously the job that God gave specifically to Adam. He made Eve the rescuer. Uh, that's the best translation, not helpmate. Um, but the, like Eve's, Eve's role is incredibly important. God's also described as a rescuer using the same word uh, later on in the old Testament. But for us, it's keeper of the garden, which means not just protector of the garden, but like that means creating a space where the vulnerable can thrive. Like these species that couldn't, couldn't thrive in, in the survival of the fittest wilderness in a garden are allowed to bloom beautiful things. And I feel like that's our role. It's like defending that space, making that space, and then allowing the people around us to flourish. And, and 
I, I do think that's our specific role. And I do think that women intuit this and they're really drawn to men who embody that, whether they, they, whether they, embody the the other stereotypical ideas of of manhood like all i have is words i traffic in words but i can use it to defend the vulnerable and to and to build people up and to make people more secure not less secure so that i think that's the nub of the masculinity and i think women intuit it and know it and so i'm trying to trying to take a crack at saying here's what this actually looks like and i think it'll be life-giving not just for you but for the people around you hope that makes sense yeah no i love that keeper of the garden because it's it invites every man in no matter what their temperament is right no matter right well you know because we all have these different temperaments wired differently passions that take us into a lot of different direction but i love that definition because it ultimately does go back to genesis it goes back to that idea of we're here to cultivate the earth we're here to 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 have dominion to help the world flourish to help people around us flourish and and um, when you did your research on this book, I know, I'm sure you came across some just wild things that people think about men, but were there, were there a few things that you just kind of were surprised by when you looked at like how the typical person thinks about masculinity right now or manhood? They don't have any, people don't have any idea. I mean, this is, I, of course, I'm thinking I'm not an expert. What, what can I say uh, as a guy who, you know, last, literally the last time I was on a motorcycle, I drove it into a park truck. <laughs> and so that's, that's like, but, but there's no, again, there's no construct. So that's what I keep running against is just a vacuum of any sort of idea. And then a hesitancy to even say, because, because we've been so bad at it for so long, any attempt to define what masculinity really is at its best, if we're, if we're that male image of God, and there's a female part of his image as well, but what is that distinctly? Any attempt is is difficult simply because we've been so bad at it for so long and we've misunderstood it. Right. So we'll settle for like this warrior mystique or something. And that's fine. If you want to write a book, it's about we all need to be warriors. Like that doesn't quite get at the depth, though. You may need to be a warrior at some level, like somebody may be called into that that role, but there's a deeper role. Yeah. And I think this is it. And I, and I like the idea of of cultivating and defending so that the vulnerable can thrive. Women should feel secure. If if we did this, there's no need for a me too movement. Yeah. Like that's, that's a betrayal. If we're making women feel less secure, that's a betrayal of who we're actually called to be. And that's why it's so hideously wrong that we're, that masculinity takes on the tone that it does for some people. Well, what you do in the book, which I like is you move into these decisions that every man needs to make uh, these commitments and I want to talk about a few of those in a, in a second, but I'm, I'm sure if Jordan Peterson, you've followed just the rise of, of him as a person that was willing to communicate to, to mainly men. I mean, his audience is mainly a male audience. And he wrote this, you know, New York Times bestselling book called Rules for Life, mm-hmm. where he lays out these basics and the response to just, I mean, his three hour YouTube lectures and all the things that he created, as I talked to people who understood the analytics, they were saying, look, this is mostly 18 to 25-year-old men is following him and his audience. I mean, and it is like 80% a male-dominated audience hungry to learn these things that they're not hearing anywhere in cultural 
sort of discussion, narrative. Right. Maybe they didn't have fathers or their fathers weren't confident enough to to reteach some of these things. But you talk about these decisions. Cause, so he has rules, like this is rules for how you should live. But I like the proactive nature of your six decisions where you say, number one, forsake the fake and relish the real. Number two, protect the vulnerable. Number three, be ambitious about the right things. Number four, make women and children feel safe, not threatened. Number five, choose today who you will become tomorrow. And number six, take responsibility for your own spiritual life. So when you wrote these six decisions, do, do you see them as sequential? Is, is there one of these that you believe comes first? It's the first step for somebody to start to realize what it truly means to become a man? Well, I suppose it's the sixth one. I didn't I didn't have any chronology or sequence to it to make any sense. I did go with six, though, because it's half of Jordan Peterson's list. And I thought... <laughs> it's more memorable. Yeah, I have about half his IQ, so I thought it seemed appropriate. <laughs> uh, but no, the, the take, take responsibility for your own spiritual life. Honestly, I feel like a lot of guys, because of the way the American church is set up around feelings and around experiences and goosebumps and... Again, there's nothing wrong with emotions, but it does feel for a lot of us, and this includes analytical sorts of women too, don't get it. We don't resonate with the feelings orientation. So we we feel like, okay, something must be wrong with me. I'm not feeling God around, or I'm not, I'm not having the same experience everybody else is in this dark room with the fog, you know, lamps and the and the worship band and the lasers and stuff. I don't, I'm not having this feeling. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to tell guys in particular, I have good news. There's not much about emotion in the Bible. There really isn't. What God is looking for from us is loyalty, like an enduring, believing, steadfast loyalty where we keep engaging with him. Even though we're sinners, we keep going back every day and we keep partnering with him. And he keeps partnering with us in the things that we're doing in the world Mm -hmm. for his kingdom's sake. Mm. But you can't disqualify yourself just because you don't have these emotional reactions to things. But a lot of guys do. They think I'm just missing something or God's given up on me because of my shame or things like, no, no, we can do this. And again, a lot of people do understand loyalty. We get that. The steadfast thing. Like I see lights come on when I talk about this with guys. Like I have good news for you, but that's the beginning of turning our attention to God. And our attention is the thing that determines our future, what we're putting our attention on. So I keep trying to underscore that. That's going to determine who you're going to become. So we have to be putting our attention on the good things and the right things. Yeah, I love it. And I I think your point about just the emotional edge that we feel in our society, we talk a lot around here about just thinking well and and critical thinking and how much sometimes that's been lost in pursuit of, you know, even the idea of truth. And you know truth because you feel it's true. And how much of our world thinks that's true? It's not. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely false. Right, right. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about how our emotions are great followers, but they're horrible leaders. And so I think for men to, to appreciate that, that, again, it's not just a male, female thing, but a lot of men are a little more hardwired this way, yeah. um, it seems, in, in how we've been designed to uh, to actually be drawn towards loyalty, right? To Like when you call men to loyalty, they rise up. They love that. Yeah, you know? just, I can do that. Yes, I can do it. So even though I, even though I get caught up in things, I can still keep coming back the next day. And, and God apparently delights in that, from what I can tell from the stories in the Bible. Like, so that's pretty cool. And and one of your decisions I love, and I, I want to hear a little more about this from you on, is, is the idea of forsake the fake mm-hmm. and relish the real. And 
today, obviously around us, there's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of fake. There's a lot of, I mean, gosh, just look at social media, look at Instagram filters, right? Talk about fake. It's like, we've got to put this veneer over everything. Um, and, and you want men to like not do that. You want them to, to get into what's real. Yeah. Okay. I love video games too. I mean, I'm, I'm not that old. So I grew up with them. I love them. Uh, but the problem is I don't want to look back at age 75 or 80 and say all of my adventures and relationships in life were virtual. That to me sounds like hell. Mm. Like yeah. that's the thing you wind up. We can do this shutting this shut in thing, which is a real phenomenon among younger guys, twenties, thirties. Like it's just your sex life is online. Your adventures are online. You don't leave the house. Like, and the, the ethos in our larger cultures, you know, Gabe is, as long as I'm not hurting somebody, like, what does it matter? So it's easy to justify that given that ethical construct. Yeah. What I'm trying to say, though, too, is actually you are hurting people because we needed you. We actually needed you with your set of skills and the things that you could have brought and the man you could have become. There's maybe a woman who needed you. There's 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 vulnerable people who could have benefited from your skills being applied. Like we needed you out here. And you didn't show up. Yeah. Like, that's a tragedy. And again, it's also a ticket. I'm telling them, too, like, the fake stuff always feels, it always has a payoff, like the real thing. So I, I saw an article just about an hour ago on the metaverse and the new sex lives people will be leading. And it's basically saying this is going to be wonderful because you'll be able to experience this. Like, it's just as good as real life. Like, bottom line, leading the fake life, you will wind up alone truly alone, deeply isolated and alone. Yeah. If I'm not making real commitments to real people, that's what I was trying to tell guys too. Like, don't be afraid of making commitments. A lot of guys are afraid. Don't be afraid of that. Be afraid of not making commitments because you'll wind up by yourself. Yeah. Commitments are the only real source of poetry and meaning in life. But living a virtual life is just a ticket to isolation, which is the way sin works. It's, it always leads me to be by myself ultimately. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's a little foretaste of hell that I don't want. So I want to stay engaged, even though it's, it's, it's more difficult. And a real woman will call me out uh, inconveniently to grow up. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's right. No, <laughs> that's right. A good woman will, will make it clear when you're not stepping into your roles because they see it and yeah. they know what to expect and they have a clear a realistic definition of that. But I, I love that you bring up sort of this virtual space and the fake space because that is what's coming and it's been here. Mm-hmm. But man, the, the rate at which the speed of that's coming to isolate more people, to throw on the Oculus, you, you know, I think I was reading a similar article to you. They were calling it metasex and the idea of how you this will be just as good as sex with a person to, to put on the Oculus and do porn. I mean, uh-huh. It's awful where where we're at, and you could see how if a man doesn't understand who he's called to be, and be challenged and 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 really pushed to like become this man, like that's that's not something you can passively do. It's something you have to kind of get in your face. We have to do it with our children. We have to do it with our friends. We have to call people right. to more because that that was Adam's ultimate sin in the garden. Right? Was passivity was was allowing this to take place. He was right there with Eve. If you look at the at the scripture, I always thought that he was somewhere like a mile away doing something, like naming animals, animals or something. But no, he's right there. Right. And he did not defend the garden, which is so interesting because they both get in trouble, right? Like Eve and Adam both get cursed. But God's reaction to this, he comes into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? 
like I gave you this job to be the defender and you went AWOL. Mm. So I do think this is our role and, and people will flourish as a result of us taking this seriously, but it's not just, it's not a flexing domineering masculinity. It's a life giving uh, masculinity. All right. So for the guys listening, I know we have next gen guys listening to this and, and, and women who are, I think your opening point about your producer, there's a lot of women single right now and they're going, I can't find this guy. Like, I love this book. The women are going to buy more of these books than the men and start handing them out going, guys, please read this book because there's a a real lack of these kinds of of men in the world. Um, So, so when you're talking to a next generation, let's talk 20 year old who's in college right now, who hasn't had a lot of these great role models. They're going, I want to get married. Like I, I want, I want to have the woman of my life. Like I, I do desire that. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to happen best. Like everything in the world tells me my YouTube videos, tell me these pickup lines and tell me all these different things I should be doing. If I really want to have a girl, the cultural messages, the music, the videos, the the films, the docuseries, everything I watch sort of presents this vision of a man uh, as being attractive that ends up really being an awful type of man. You have this chapter that you said how to be incredibly awesome and somehow less attractive to women, <laughs> uh, which was counterintuitive. So talk, talk a little bit about this 20 year old and how, how, how can they be awesome and somehow less attractive? Sure. Okay. Well, let me tell you how to be awesome is first. And then we do less attractive as part of that. But when I was young, like 17, I went to the university of Illinois and I noticed something and I, this is like one of the first chapters It's called the poster. I saw this poster hanging in like every girl's room. There was like a Christian girl's house on campus and they did a tour. Every, every room had the same poster and it's the best selling poster in history. It's called L'Enfant and it's uh, obviously it's French, but this guy in the poster, it's of a guy and he's got his shirt off and you can think, well, he must be really good looking. I guess he is, but there's a billion you know, male models. That's not what makes this poster so resonant. I asked the girls, like, what's the big deal with this? I keep seeing this poster. He's holding a baby. And they said it's the way the baby is looking at him. Hmm. And I thought that is so interesting because the baby looks very vulnerable and hopeful, like making eye contact, looking up. And you can look up, again, it's, it's L'Enfant. You can look it up on, online and see this image. But it sold more than $5 million. There's something about a man who defends the vulnerable that women find very attractive. What's wild is you can be more attractive to women. I've I've told guys, like you embody the ideas in this book, you will be more attractive to women. There's no doubt about it. That's not the reason to do this though. Right. I'm I'm, I'm explaining that women intuit, the reason they're attracted to it is because they intuit that this is what men are for and they like it. Mm -hmm. Conversely, you can have all the muscles, all the money and be all the markers of being able to care and defend and protect. But if you don't, if you actually make a woman feel less secure, she will resent your muscles. Mm -hmm. If you take stupid risk or you flirt with other women, for instance, like all of that bodybuilding, blah, 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 that you think makes you sexy actually becomes a a point of contempt because she, again, intuits that you're for something else. Like this, she intuits that you're supposed to create a sphere of safety and security, and now you're not doing it. So what are these muscles for? Oh, it's all about you. That's actually threatening. Now your muscles are threatening. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you can be you can be awesome, quote unquote, culturally, and women can ultimately at first they'll find you attractive, hoping that these are signifiers that you're actually a protector and a provider. Then they'll find out that you're not, and you'll be you'll be uh, repulsive. Well, listen, I'm so grateful for you 
unpacking all this. I think it's it's significant in the moment we're in where men are looking for resources and and we're we're finding some, like I said, Jordan Peterson and others who are talking about some of these issues, but for you to bring this out through a faith lens and and making that really clear, like who you are as a spiritual leader and that like that's the first thing. That's the first decision to make, but then dealing practically with all these many different issues going on in our culture. It's just really helpful. And I think it applies to men of all ages. It's not just for Thank you. young guys. It's not just for old guys. I mean, I think, I think this is a perfect kind of book for people to read together in community, for fathers and sons to read, for, um, you know, to, the book to have on the shelf or, or right by the nightstand to pick up and read a few pages one night on a particular issue. But as we move into a, a season where this kind of discipleship has to be a higher priority. Uh-huh. Uh, we need we need resources like this and people like you who are helping us uh, better understand it. So, man, appreciate your work. Thank you. Well, thank you, and please, everybody, buy enough copies to build your own fort. That's all I ask. <laughs> so, build forts. Love build it. Build forts. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons and an encore of Gabe's conversation with Brent Hansen about the varied forms of godly, healthy masculinity and his book, The Men We Need. Now, Brent is also the author of Unoffendable, How Just One Change Can Make All of Life Better, which was recently updated, and there's an accompanying study guide with it now and streaming video. Connect with Brent at BrentHanson.com. That's his website. Well, as I mentioned at the start of today's show, Gabe and the Q team are getting ready for the 2023 Culture Summit, April 27th and 28th, both live in Nashville, plus available virtually as well. The list of speakers continues to grow all around the theme of building resilient communities. So far, there's going to be talks on topics like building family economies, the state of policing. Rebecca will be addressing embracing adversity, and Gabe Lyons will talk on understanding the times. While, yes, you can watch by yourself virtually, really, this is best done with others, especially people you live and work around. There are still some tables available for the event down in Nashville to take your group, but otherwise, why not do a group virtually? Or maybe your church could serve as a local host site. If you'd like to learn more and to register, just go to qideas.org slash 2023. Again, qideas.org slash 2023. I'm Paul Perot. Thanks for spending time with us again this week on Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Have a blessed week. Hope you listen again next time. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.